Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. As we all know, there's two things in Hollywood that we can always count on. First, Paul Rudd most definitely has a painting of himself somewhere in his attic, leaving us with a puzzle of an ageless wonder who actually seems to be a pretty decent person. And second, if there's any way possible for a studio to capitalize on intellectual property that they own by cooking up a sequel, prequel, a sequel to the prequel, a prequel to the sequel, a reboot, a reimagining, or any other buzzword that you can happen to have handy, they're going to do it. So wouldn't you know that both of these things collided last week when we were all blessed with a new Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. So we're going to run it all down in this episode 72, Who You Gonna Call? My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man whose main superpower is processing inhuman amounts of beef, chicken, and pork, regardless of seasoning and cooking temperatures in mere moments. He is the Bray Wyatt to my Luke Harper. You know, it's the same old story time and time again. We're just too damn creative for Vince to know what to do with us. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I am doing quite well. Quite well, sir. And yourself? That is good. That is good. How are you doing? I'm well. Sweet. I'm, and I, this is Living a- the high a, life. Well, whoa, really? So you got that prescription. You got that card, huh? Paperwork finally went through. Sweet. Uh. Good for you. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I know this is a layup for you, but can you name the tag team? Uh, well, in various incarnations, I do believe this is the Wyatt family, is it not? Yes. Uh, winners of the SmackDown tag titles at one point, I believe. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was Luke Harper, Bray Wyatt, and they also had uh, Randy Orton and wrestled under the Freebird rule, I believe. Yes, they did. Okay, so there. I, and I, I, I totally didn't know any of that. I looked all that up on Wikipedia. The man they call Tim could have told you that off the top of his head. Oh, I could have done an entire episode about the Wyatt family. Oh, I'm sure. And, and who I'm knows? Sure the Weekend Geek might get expanded upon today <laughs> on that front. Yes, uh, there are things to come. There are things to come. Which, you know what? Let's stop messing around here. Let's get into the ever-expanding Weekend Geek. Week in so funky. Alrighty, sir. Well, uh, first item. Uh, I pose a question. Yes. Do we have the Thunderbolts in the making? Oh, are you freaking kidding me with this? What's going of on? Of course it is. At some point, our, our, our rumor, our prediction is going to come true. There will be a group called the Thunderbolts in the Marvel Universe at some point, I believe. Really? That's going to happen? Uh, well, maybe. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you're really you're really uh you know firm on this stance, are you? Well, it, it could be. I'm sure. I'm, I'm I'm really trying to throw in uh you know heavily on this, but uh, from we've got this covered.com, you know, basically the the article is discussing how with Julia Louis Dreyfus's Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, say that five times fast. Bless you. Uh, walking around putting together a a group of of different uh 
I, I don't know if we should call them heroes or just uh, individuals who can fight really well. Uh, <laughs> we have U.S. Agent as one of them, and mm-hmm. uh, also known in this uh, group as the Chin. Yes, uh, and the then we have, chin. and then we have uh, Flow Flow. Um, yeah. Oh, you got to have some Flow Flow. That's right. That's right. So the question becomes: Will Black Widow sister Yelena? Will she end up becoming part of this group, as we saw at the end of uh, the Black Widow movie? And is the Contessa building, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but what kind of group is she building? You know, she's got John Walker, uh, Zemo is out there, we have Yelena. Is this the Dark Avengers? Is this the Thunderbolts? It just seems like we're building towards something here. So uh, this 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 article was positing: Will are, are we seeing this slow build up, much like we did in the uh, first few uh, Phase One movies uh, with Nick Fury of of a group of Avengers who are going to uh, be unleashed upon some kind of uh, problem that will eventually come to Earth or many different realities of Earth. So we're dealing with something that probably could be, most likely, sort of, might, coulda, might, kinda, sort of be something. Is yes. that? Do I have this re- read about? Okay, good. I'm, yes. I'm just glad that we're we're really managing to solidify this, whatever the hell this is. Yes. So uh, whenever the Hawkeye show comes about and we do the reel and the jabroni, you are guaranteed we are going to have a line item about the Thunderbolts in this one. It's just going to be a, it's a stock now. It's just it a stock question in everything. Even after, even after the Thunderbolts appear in something, it'll be then just carried forward in legacy form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So that, well, that's good to know that we've yet again, we are ahead of the curve. I mean, ahead of the curve in like the most wrong headed way possible, but we are ahead. If you count, you know, talking about something constantly for nine to 12 months and then it eventually comes true, then yes, we're ahead of the curve. Yes. I mean, it's almost like, hey, I've been talking about that for years. Yeah. And you've been wrong for years, too. Yeah. But I've been talking about it. And I think we need to jump on this Squadron Supreme bandwagon that didn't quite pan out. Oh, no, no. I I draw the line there. I draw the line. (laughs) Sorry. I can only have I can only have one lame sounding pseudo super group. That I'm holding out hope for. I can't have two. I can't have oh. two. This goes back to like when I was when I when I was a when I was growing up, and people would ask me if I was a Red Sox fan, and I would say, No, I'm a Patriots fan. I have quite enough heartbreak going in my life as it is. <laughs> and that does that might sound funny to some people now because they they don't know anything but like Bel- Belichick and Brady, and yeah, mm-hmm. last year was last year and all that. But they're like, Well, what do you have to complain about? Like, oh, you have no idea what pre two thousand two thousand one Patriots fandom was like it was just mm. misery and heartbreak in the same oh, way yeah. as like pre 2004 Red Sox fandom kind of was yes. so I, I was like I'm gonna pick one I don't need both of them because you know as a teenager I already have enough angst I don't need more from a sports team which I have no control over I've got one thanks so yeah I, I'm oh just give me the Thunderbolts I'm not gonna have Squadron Supreme in my life I gotta be choosy about these things all right, all right. self-care self-care we'll see what happens but I'm uh, thrown in for the Thunderbolts, just because I think it's a funny name. Anyways. Sure, why not? Uh, our next two items all center on Kang. That's got to be Kang! 
Nice. So what do we uh, got? What's Kang? What's Kang up to these days? Oh, Kang uh, from theinsider.com. Just just looking at and projecting all of the different ways that Kang is going to make waves in the MCU. How how the revelation in this little show called Loki, especially uh, on that that last episode, just just how the ripple effects are going to start taking place across all these different movies. Mm. Uh, looking at things like uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, and uh, in, in this article talking about, well, now that we have this context of Kang, are we, and, and we also know that Jane Foster will be in this film revealed as some version of Thor, is Jane now going to be a variant of Thor? Huh. Is this the way that Jane is going to be realized, that we're actually going to see an alternate timeline of, mm. of almost like a what if playing out in, in the movie? That is one example. Another example, Spider-Man No Way Home. We know Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro. All right. We know Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are potentially coming back as Spider-Man. Vincent Mm -hmm. D'Onofrio last week as Kingpin and Alfred Molina, uh, who apparently did some spoiling and is now on Kevin Feige's not so (laughs) person I don't really care for list, uh, is coming back as Dr. Octopus. That's the same as, uh, uh, oh oh my God, uh, Tom Holland. I mean... He he's spoiled a bunch of stuff before too, so it's it's that corner of the Marvel universe has a real problem keeping their yap shut. Yes, I don't know what yes. it is. I mean, didn't didn't Mark Ruffalo have, have do do that as well at some point? Like he was like, oh yeah, and this. I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, think about it. That's really hard to do because I imagine for some of those actors, like there's some sort of knowledge. Like here's the context of what you're shooting, mm-hmm. but you don't know where it's gonna go. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, I did this thing. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to talk about any of that, am I? <laughs> yeah. It's, oops. Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, with Spider-Man No Way Home, the idea being that the multiverse comes into play here because we're now going to weave, you know, past past versions of Spider-Man, past villains from Spider-Man movies in with the present. How they're going to do that, who knows? But uh, it, it seems like Kang's uh, touch, you got the touch is just permeating now throughout all the upcoming movies. You got the power! Uh, they also mentioned in this article The Eternals. Yeah! Uh, in November, the multiverse could be the mm. motivator uh, that ends up bringing them out of hiding, is, is what they're speculating. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, the Abomination. So is this part of the main, you know, timeline that we're used to or is this another? All of this is kind of like basically saying the movies going forward, are are they going to be portraying, you know, different slices of the multiverse or or are they bringing them together? You know what I mean? But but in the end, this whole revelation of Kang is what's going to be the spark that kind of ignites all of this, if, if that makes sense. No, and it totally makes sense because, I mean, it really opens, and I hadn't really thought of this, mostly because, I mean, you know, I know it seems like I, I focus on this podcast an inordinate amount of time, and if you ask my family, I, I do, but I hadn't really thought all of this through, but now you think about it, like, any of these movies could be taking place on an alternate Earth. Exactly. Or an alter, from one of these alternate timelines, one of these alternate multiverses, and I hadn't really thought of that. I thought of it as like, oh, well, it's totally all taking place here. Mm. So now it's like, okay, well, it really does kind of throw a little bit of a a wrinkle into all of those things. Because that was always one of the things like the Eternals, like, well, where they been this whole time? Like stuff, stuff's going down left, right and center. And here are these eternal beings who are really powerful and they're just sitting around going, meh, I don't feel it. Yeah. So what what (laughs) would cause them to emerge? 
yeah, maybe are they coming from a different multiverse or or is it was it literally like just it's not a big enough deal for them? I don't know. So all that's it, it does throw a very interesting story wrinkle into all of that. Mm-hmm. which now makes me look forward to those movies even more than I was already. And I was already kind of hyped about those. Indeed. And, you know, and of course there's, there's Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness where, you know, will Dr. Strange be picking up the pieces of the various, you know, Kang variants warring against one another. Um, as well as uh, Wanda Maximoff's shenanigans, whatever she's doing. So, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's just it's teeing it all up beautifully and one other item, uh, so this is from a different article. I apologize I don't I didn't write the source down, but we kind of touched on this briefly last episode, but it, we were focusing on a different facet of the article and this was about, you know, what happened to the Infinity Stones when when Thanos destroyed them. You know, like how did they keep the universe bound together? But there was another point in that article that I, we, you know, we really didn't focus on a whole lot, and, and I'm coming back around to. Basically, after reading this, uh, this article where uh, Loki director Kate Heron was offering her perspective on, you know, he who remains and his involvement in the Infinity Saga, and, you know, basically saying, well, look, what we established in Loki, she basically says, if you go by the show's logic, then yes. He paved the road and you just walked down it. So mainly the, the whole point of the article is, did Kang, in fact, script the Infinity Saga? Meaning that what we just saw was all by design by Kang. Mm. And what, what, uh, what Kate Heron is saying is, in theory, you know, he would have scripted that because by the show we just put forth, that's what we're saying. Everything has been predetermined by this one character. And even if up to this point we believe the characters have had free will, you know, he he has really just kind of directed and led everything, which is kind of, you know, from her perspective, she calls it a fun rug pull, you know, from our show, you know. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. And it kind of goes to the whole idea of you see the Infinity Stones in a drawer is really just props, you know, like they're not really, mm. they have no meaning in the TVA. And so I thought it was really kind of fascinating to kind of think about it from that perspective that, Everything we've seen from phase one through now, or at least up and through the end of Loki, has all been kind of at the direction of one person controlling and and trying to maintain a timeline. Mm. And the idea that we're seeing our heroes, you know, make choices and do things that are out, you know, seemingly outside of their control when in fact, you know, some someone may be guiding all of it is is kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, and the fact that so now you you you're you're faced with like this was this was thought to be like oh my gosh this is this is the universe at stake and you know half the universe is just gone and oh my gosh this is huge this is a huge deal and then to be like like you're saying it's a it's a big rug pull because then you're like oh yeah and all of this was scripted by one person who is now he's not even the worst version of that character right and he's the one who got you here. So now you got something even worse than that. So now you're like not only bigger than Thanos, you're bigger than the dude who gave you Thanos. Mm-hmm. And now you got someone who's even worse coming down the pike. Uh-huh. That's damn these guys are good. It's, <laughs> I, mean, it, I know. On. I know. It's it it's heavy. It's heavy. Oh. Man, um, it's it's like we should be in like that 70s show like where where they're just, you know, sitting in a circle. <laughs> That's how we ought to be discussing this. <laughs> Because it really yes. does get into, into yes. a little bit of that stoner logic. I'm like, wow, man, is it 
you know, is it really? Government's tracking us, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It, it, It starts heading in that direction pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yes. One other aspect of it, they were talking. Uh, she was talking about how uh, he who remains, you know, not being as all knowing as he seems. Um, you know, she says, "I do believe the moment when they pass this, thre- you know, the threshold, he is telling the truth of, you know, like he's like he really doesn't know what's going to happen." Um, she, she's, you know, she, she posits that he knows or he has an idea of what might happen with Sylvie or Loki, kind of basing it off of what happened when. Um, when they kind of rushed in and, and uh, in episode, I think it was four, uh, when they attacked what we thought were the timekeepers and they mm. turned out to be those animatronic, you know, yeah. weird looking things. The uh, Hall of President uh, timekeepers. Yeah, yeah, very strange. <laughs> and so, you know, so her whole point with it all is, you know, there is a point where, you know, he who remains does seem to relinquish control and does seem to not have control at, at that juncture. So, yeah, so it was kind of an interesting concept. And, just kind of again underscores just the depth in in the storytelling they did in in introducing Kang in this way without it being the full-blown you know Kang the Conqueror truly you know kind of appearing as the bad guy you know what I mean yeah yeah this I mean because they still that's yet to be revealed we haven't seen like badass Kang yet no no So we're, we're going to leave the Marvel Universe behind a little bit and, and refocus a little bit on Star Wars. We've talked a lot about Marvel. Uh, there are some things going on with Star Wars. Uh, there's yeah. a little bit of casting news uh, coming Ooh. out of from SlashGear.com that uh, they are confident reporting that the actors for both Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn have been cast. Um, uh-huh. It looks like Ezra Bridger will be played by uh, the actor. Uh, I'm going to not say his name right, but uh, Mena Masoud, and uh, that Grand Admiral Thrawn, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, played by none other than the man who's been voicing him, Lars Mikkelsen. So the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn will not happen. Yeah, uh, as as will not the uh, I don't know who who else were we gunning for? Well, for, for I was I was pushing for Benedict Cumberbatch, but we we got shot down on that one. And this is <laughs> and this is actually I mean because this is the guy that we've we've known about for quite a while now. Like I remember we we talked about this months ago. Yeah, and and it's kind of weird that it's still being kind of reported as news. Like because I think people are still we're still not believing it. Like yeah 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 that's what they're saying or that's I don't believe it. No, it, it's now been announced like three separate times. Mm-hmm. This Lars Mickelson is going to be hit. I mean, that's it. There's no there's no plan B. Like he is it. Yep. Um, I have no idea who who the Ezra Bridger actor is, but I don't know. I mean, so far uh, so far these uh, folks haven't you know gone too far astray when they've been doing some of this stuff lately. So I'm not uh, I'm not inclined to argue over it. Yes. Yes. So a little casting news there, and then we'll swing over on uh, the the Kenobi uh, show. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, the Princess Leia character has been cast. Apparently, a hmm. Vivian Lyra Blair will play a will play Princess Leia Organa, so a child Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's what's interesting. So according to Star Wars scooper Jordan Maison of Cinelinks. Uh, okay. He says that uh, Princess Leia will play a big part in Kenobi, describing uh, her as the impetus for the whole show. Who gets Kenobi? Mm. Who gets Obi Wan into another adventure? I have a bad feeling about this. So that's an mm. interesting quote. Like if that's really true, if, if Princess Leia is is the the spark again, if I go back to that, to, to getting Kenobi 
off of, you know, Tatooine and doing something. What does that mean? Yeah, because it's it's kind of weird, like how they would work that in, because it seems very much like between the prequel trilogy and episode four, I mean, between episodes three and four, (laughs) you know how that works, Uh, not including Rogue One, really, because Rogue One is immediately preceding episode four. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a very straight line of like Kenobi is just you know, Ben is on Tatooine. He didn't go nowhere. He's just keeping an eye on Luke and kind of living out his life. And even even when they've mentioned stuff like uh, in Rebels where they had like uh, Darth Maul show up mm-hmm. and have a showdown with, with Obi-Wan there, it, it's on Tatooine. I mean, so far I haven't, I don't remember any kind of anything that would alter the canon that he had not left Tatooine. And it would be really interesting just because it seems like from that message in A New Hope mm-hmm. that Leia has not seen Obi-Wan. So I'm wondering how young of an actor this is and, and how young that character is going to be because I know it just seems like he doesn't really, you know, is kind of familiar with her, of course, but not like, oh, yeah, I remember that time I went on an adventure with her. Yeah. You know, that like that two months that I took off Tatooine and just left Luke, you know, just sitting here unguarded. Right. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, but I mean, again, I it could be done in a really. I, I never saw Rogue One coming or The Mandalorian, right. so hey, I, so they know this better than I do. So I, I I was thinking about this, and if 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 you look at the original trilogy, right, mm-hmm. Leia really in in the in episodes four and five, there's really no thought given to her being a Force user, right? Yeah. Until Return of the Jedi when there's this reveal that she is in fact Luke's sister and therefore because they're family that she may be carrying the same kind of abilities that Luke clearly has. So as I was thinking about what could be the impetus of the show, what would be a motivator for Obi-Wan leaving where he was because of something to do with Princess Leia? Do you think, this is just my thought, but do you think that the motivator is Bail Organa starts to notice his daughter's doing some crazy stuff and the Emperor's looking for force users. So what does Kenobi need to skedaddle off to do? You know what I mean? Like as a kid, if she's starting to show those abilities and they're trying to hide them, Mm -hmm. is Kenobi having to go, like is the impetus for this whole adventure that he's trying to protect her and I guess where I'm going is I, I'm and I'm really speculating here. I have no idea. I'm wondering if this is going to be used to explain why when we get to episode four and five, she has no idea about her force abilities because mm. Obi-Wan oh. ends up doing something with doing something to mask them. So you're almost thinking like this is a this is like an X-Men Professor X Dark Phoenix sort of thing. Possibly. Like she's she's uber powerful and he almost does like a little mind wipey sort of thing and sequesters those right. abilities somehow. It doesn't that diminish. That could be kind of cool because that would actually fit why why she doesn't necessarily recognize him in a exactly. in a direct sense. Like, hey, you remember back when I was a kid and you you know you did this and that and the other. And but he has that kind of you know he plays his cards close to the vest anyway. So you could play that however you want. But that would make sense if somehow she walks out of that with no memory of all of that. Yeah. So yeah. So if she is a kid, shows the ability and shows huh. that she's strong. When you look at not only the original trilogy but the post Quill trilogy, 
mm-hmm. where if Carrie Fisher, you know, had not unfortunately passed away when she did, the entire plan was for her to be the hero. Mm. This this was for her to her time to be kind of you know for Princess Leia to really be you know kind of featured or focused on from what I've read like that I yeah. think was their original plan. Yeah. So when you start e- to look at the episode nine was really supposed to be her movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you look at those breadcrumbs and then you think about the fact that okay, but she was kind of like inactive in four and five. That's where I'm wondering if what they're trying to do in the series is basically tell a story where Kenobi is doing everything he can to keep these kids hidden and, mm. and undetected by the Emperor, but she is she's causing a problem with that because of her abilities, and he eventually has to do something to mask it. Yeah, which then which I think would be really of, cool. Oh no, that I, I that's an angle I hadn't thought of, and I think it's actually Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> oh geez, get Kathy Kennedy on the phone for me, would you? Cat, cat, no, not Kathy Griffin. Kathy Kennedy. Cat, <laughs> K. You know what? You're already on the list. You already drank all the seltzer and didn't replace it. Why don't you go out and get me some seltzer? <laughs> yes, f- ladies and gentlemen, Uncle Todd is operating San Seltzer tonight. So this is going to be a, a raw Uncle Todd. <laughs> no, no, the fizzy water. Yeah, the fizzy water. Yeah, that's yeah. Give me, give me more fizzy water. Uh, you okay over hey, there? Hey, and none of that pomegranate stuff. I want the cranberry lime. Cramp, cramp, red label. Just get out. No, I'm not giving you any money. You're the one who drank it all. Take it out of your paycheck. You're right. I don't pay you. That's. I don't steal it. I don't care. Just oh, get out. Go, go. All right. Sorry. Anyways, you, you aren't promoting thievery, are you, sir? I'm not. He's. There's no way he's going to successfully steal anything. Okay. It's <laughs> probably lucky if he finds his way out of the building. Yeah, oh. pretty much. I if he if he's not in the lobby crying when I leave here, I'll, I'll be kind of surprised. Anyways, um, but no, I think that's a great idea, dude. That's a, I I think that'd be a great way to 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 handle it. It's a great angle. I mean, we'll see if that's actually the way it goes. But man, you that's an angle I hadn't thought of. And, and, and in the article, um, director Deborah Chow kind of supports this by saying, you know, in The Mandalorian, they revealed that there were Jedi hunters, you know, that I think through some dialogue over the over the two seasons. And so they would be posing a threat to the like like there's this idea of the Inquisitors, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah, they're, they're in the they're in the in Rebels. Right. So mm. I'm wondering if that's going to come into play and that's going to be what what Obi-Wan is, you know, basically. uh just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that that is an interesting angle. That really is. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it's amazing that we're how many? I mean, what we're we're forty years after Episode Four, and they're still just like, if they do this, like they're still finding ways to just fill out all of these gaps that existed in you know with the original trilogy that they're going back and now filling in with just great stories and. If, if they do something like that, that's going to be awesome. Well, true, but think about it this way. I mean, this really didn't get started until 15 years ago. I mean, whenever whenever Clone Wars started, mm. uh, like not not kind of the f- initial Clone Wars, but like the, the Clone Wars proper that just like wrapped up last year or whatever, That like that's kind of when this started. And then you get Rogue One and then you mm. get, you know, Solo and, you know, Rebels and, and now we're getting Mando and all this other stuff. Like, 
yeah, it, it we, we it's filled in a bunch of stuff, but it's really only the last like fifteen years or so that we've gotten a, a real filling of of like ooh and hey this and that and the other and a fleshing out of stuff. I mean, which is kind of interesting, but it's also it makes sense because these weren't necessarily avenues that were open to Lucas, you know, back in the day. Right. Or as as readily available. I mean, they did kind of like the what they did that Ewoks, a couple Ewoks movies and some other stuff and didn't quite work. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Well, it was kind of horrible, but not as horrible as, you know, like the, the holiday special. So, yes, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Ah, that's, a, that's some great ideas. I, li- I like it a lot. And I hope that's the, I hope that's what it is. I really do, because I like your idea a That'd whole cool. lot. That'd be cool. And we go from a cool idea to something that is sticking in the man they called Tim's craw. WWE over the weekend releases one of their most creative talents. Uh, File this under what are they? Their most creative talent. I don't know that there's anybody who 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 would compete with him at this point in sheer creativity. Jake the Snake Roberts is probably the closest, and and he did it once. Bray Wyatt did it twice. Yes, but Bray Wyatt, uh, also known as Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, was released by WWE over the weekend in what was a head-scratching, why on earth, what is this all about sort of moment. For those who do not know the Bray Wyatt uh, character, uh, he came up through uh, their NXT developmental where uh, he was part of, I believe, the creative process that came up with the Wyatt family, Mm -hmm. which was somewhat of a cross between... If you've ever seen The Devil's Rejects, you know, I think it was kind of like that sort of like demented, you know, very sadistic kind of family where uh, where I mean, I just I just remember when they debuted, you know, and, and Eric Rowan's wearing the sheep mask walking to the ring. And it's just mm. like, man, these guys are freaky. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and a distinctive intro. Oh, distinctive, my gosh. Like a distinctive entrance. Just the all the lights down, yep. and and the and the lantern just walking out real slow. Which I mean is, in some ways, it's like the only other person who's ever been able to do something like that and have it work mm-hmm. is the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said with with Jake the Snake, Jake did it once. Undertaker did it once. Bray managed to do it twice, like two very different characters that yep. somehow linked, but also were very different and and just sheesh. And maybe in the show notes, we should link the YouTube clip to the Wyatt family debut on Raw, because if you want to see a masterclass in how a wrestling promo gets cut mm. in in that introduction, you, you need to see this because that that was the point. I mean, th- th- this was a, a guy who, who went through... Uh, at, at one point, they were um, when they hadn't gotten the developmental system really developed out. They were they they were doing NXT as almost like a you know veteran coaching a youngster sort of thing. And I think at the time he was called Husky Harris or something like that. I mean, it was awful. A very but, typical Vince sort of gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, and and he was very very vanilla and and not. But but when he came in as Bray Wyatt, and when you see him just the acting that goes on in that promo and, and the insanity that he portrays was just like so good. And then, as you mentioned a couple of years ago, he reinvents himself when, when basically WWE basically just kind of 
you know, sadly destroyed the Bray Wyatt character through a lot of just bad storytelling and constant losses and just not, you know, no, no build whatsoever mm-hmm. around Which the character. Which foreshadowing. He comes back as this, this other, you know, kind of version of Bray Wyatt called The Fiend. And it was just, I mean, again, we'll have to link in the show notes that, I mean, this guy knows how to make an entrance and he knows how to captivate an audience with his character coming in as this, you know, very, you know, on the T, uh, basically on the Titan Tron, there would always be, uh, this very, you know, almost like a childlike kind of TV show version of Bray Wyatt where he's overly happy and he's overly this, but then there's something kind of sinister under the surface. And then when he comes to the ring, he's got this mask on, which, I mean, he, he found a way to kind of take like almost like a horror face and turn it into a, a, a mask that could actually work in the ring while mm. he's wrestling and just create this character that just like had people in awe. And, and just it was f- just fantastic. And of course, over time, WWE got their fingers on it more and more and just, you know, sadly ruined it. And then going on, you know, he, he had some runs as, as you know, world champion because of the fact he was becoming so popular. And then, of course, they, they defang him by having Goldberg beat him. Yeah. So it, it just, sadly for, for Wyatt, it was just a constant start and stop and a lot of stops and just, um, you know, I, I look back and I always think how, rather than Brock Lesnar, why The Undertaker couldn't have taken the pinfall to, to someone like Wyatt as like a handing of the torch, you know, over to a character who could carry that sort of mystique forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if you listen to Paul Heyman, maybe there wasn't too many choices. Indeed. Just saying. Just but saying. Very, uh, very, just uh, disappointing news coming out of WWE this weekend. Um, but, but he he is a very creative individual, and I have uh, uh, expectations to see him ending up over in AEW, where he will probably create some other uh, amazing version of himself, and we will be entertained in a way probably we haven't seen because he might actually get pushed and 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 be treated uh, you know with the, with the sort of respect that I think the character needed to be treated but yes indeed rant over yowie wowie don't cry for me argentina saith bray wyatt That's not right. yet at least not yet <sighs> and who are we kidding he's he's making more money than either of us well, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm not exactly you know there there ain't no tear in my beer for for bray right now no. It just kind of sucks. But and lastly, in this extended week in geek, uh, the Tim Health you gotta update. Just stop saying extended. You're not, I mean, you're trying to take over the show. You're just annexing more chunks of the show. So just uh, d- be done with the extended. The week in geek has now just taken over fifty percent of the show. Let's oh, just put it fair there. Enough. Fair enough. The land grab <laughs> has worked. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, the man they call Tim Health Update, uh, 44 days without incident, kind of, uh, had, had, whoa, had a minor whoa, whoa. setback last what, week. What's the kind of? What's the kind of? Well, so the, the, the heart issue that has been kind of cropping up every now and then that has sent me to the hospital uh, did kind of fire up last week. But it did not result in a hospital stay. So uh, even though they probably had my bed ready and room set to go, uh, Your reserved lounge. parking place reserved, set aside. Couple burgers ready uh, to serve, uh, <laughs> as small as they may be. Uh, it did not uh, come to fruition, thankfully. 
Uh, my, well, good. My, my medications kept it in check and uh, back to normal. But but uh, I think we're counting an incident as actually showing up at the hospital. So uh, with that being the measure, we are at 44 days. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yes. Uh, an incident requires a visit to the hospital. Thank so you. Thank we will not count this as you were able to to regulate. Now they dropping and yelling. It's a tad bit late. Nate Dogg and Warren G had to regulate. Indeed. So thank you all for the well wishes and, and cares. But uh, thankfully, uh, the man they called Tim is still chugging along. Yes, which we are all, I'm, you know, we're very happy about. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're very happy about it. It's just uh, trying to figure out the technicalities of what an incident actually is. <laughs> You know, and, and as you said, it's really sad that we have to have that conversation. <laughs> oh, it is. It's totally sad. Like, so what count? It, it was a flutter, but it wasn't bad enough that I had to go to the hospital. Like, okay. All oh right. Oh, gosh. They didn't have to snake a wire up through up through my leg and, you know, give me a, you know, they didn't have to do that. So I'm, I'm good. Okay. Indeed. That's a low bar to hop over. But as long as you can hop over it, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, and that, my friends, is the Weekend Geek. Well, thank you very much, as usual, sir, for sleuthing around the uh, the interwebs and and getting all this content for us to talk about. And I, I so much appreciate it, especially considering I have absolutely nothing to do with it, and I just get to sit here and just be my normal chucklehead self. Bask so, in the glory. Exactly. I I am basking in the glory of the ever expanding <laughs> Weekend Geek. <laughs> It's the it's the it's the Wyeth of the of of the, our show. It's just slowly eating away at the rest of the show. It, pretty soon it'll be free range EDC, the Weekend Geek, starring the man they call Tim, and no one else. Featuring Patrick. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You can have him. Honestly, <laughs> go right ahead. I'll send him. I'll send him. Oh. I'll like. I'll pin a twenty dollar bill to his shirt. Push him onto a plane and wish him well. Here, good luck in your new He's life. All yours. <laughs> you can bunk up with Tim. See how him and oh. how, see how his wife feels about that one. Indeed. Going to set their place on fire. Indeed. All right. Well, we are. Uh, we do, now that we have finished up with the week in geek. Uh, we we now have to get onto the main business of the, uh, our show this week, which is. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes, sir. Oh, so good. So good. I actually, let's jump right into this. So we're going to, we're actually mm-hmm. going to rewatch the trailer now so that we're both kind of, even though I'm sure we've watched this about 10 times each, this uh, will be least. a good way for us to, uh, to refresh ourselves as we're just about to talk about it. So if you want to watch along, uh, we'll have the, the trailer in the show notes. You can cue that up right now, get through like the 18 commercials they probably put in front of it. If you're like <laughs> me and you're too cheap to, to <laughs> actually pay for like, premium youtube and you have to sit through like all those things uh that just eat away at your soul uh so get to that point and get it all to all zeros here and we're going to rewatch this sucker uh so if if you have if you don't want to actually just listen to us sit here and drool for the next uh you know two minutes and 27 seconds feel free to fast forward through this portion where we actually begin our breakdown right now it's just going to be us just just going oh this is awesome about a thousand Glorious. times. Exactly. All right. So you you ready to watch here, sir? I'm ready. All right. Let's counter down. So three, two, one, go. All right. Summervale. Oh. Yes, she is such a great mom, isn't she? Paul Rudd is sweet talking. Oh yeah. Paul Rudd is so like oh. 
I'm 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 getting in on this. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this. It's like floor Jenga. Okay. I actually kind of wonder if they tried to age Rudd up a little bit, or if maybe he finally is starting to show his age. Gotta love having an El Camino in the trailer, yeah. too. Love that. I like how the trailer is just kind of setting the context without it going super deep. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I love how they, they brought Janine in for this one. I actually gasped the first time I saw that. Does and that imply she married Egon, I wonder? Uh, I think there's a couple different bits on that. And of course, you, you notice right there the the kid is laying across the engine just like Ray was in the uh-huh. first Ghostbusters. Nice. Now we get into the meat. Yes. Now stuff starts happening. All right. There's there's some sketchy business going on in this town. And there's a mine with apparently some red energy flying out of it. Oh, and the score. Oh I like how we're gosh. not hiding that it's Egon anymore. You know, we know it's no. Egon and his family, so this is good. Well, I mean, you kind of got it. I mean, because one of the one of the teasers had like that showed the Spangler uniform. Oh, the mini, the mini <laughs> Stay Puffs. Oh, those <laughs> are great. Now, this is the thing that gets me. It's like how brilliant they're going back to the Gozer well, but it looks really riveting. Yes. Oh, that hair coming up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Only Gozer's got hair like that. Oh, and those those purple things? Yep. Oh, that's a great. From the first movie? Yep, the terror dog. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here here, here comes goes. the dog. Not quite built for asphalt, baby. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, and this part here, like the, this whole thing with the RV trap and the oh, Gecko this is one. fantastic. I was literally watching this in my office going, yes, yes. Oh, oh. Oh, here we go. Who's picking up the phone? Who are you going to call? Oh, oh we're, we're closed. closed. Oh, no, you're not, Ray Stance. You open back up. Come on now. Oh, baby. Oh, <laughs> I want this movie in my life now. Like, not oh. like this weekend. I Like, immediately, right now, I need to watch this. Oh, my gosh. That is so good. So, um, damn. Just all the feels, all the right notes, all the everything. Um, man, I got to say one thing. So uh, I, I actually, I'll put this, I'll put this in the uh, in the show notes as well. There's there's a trailer breakdown with Jason Reitman that uh, ah, that, okay. that IGN did, and I watched that earlier. And it is really cool how he talked about some of the things that they they did to make sure that the continuity, not just of the of the on screen, but just the feel of the whole thing went back to Ghostbusters 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. down to like when they were when they were bringing people on the crew and to start working on the movie they, they were talking to them like are you a fan of the original and what about you did you like and this because they really wanted to get back to that feel down to when when those purple pinkish kind of you know streaks are coming down through the mm-hmm. or in the sky and coming down onto the street those are actually scans from the original movie of that special effect to make sure that it would be the same. Yes. Yep. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The fact that and and it's it, to me it's just I cannot get around the fact that I just, how much I love the fact that it is Ivan Reitman's son. Yeah. Doing this movie uh, basically a, a, a sequel that he has grown up researching because mm-hmm. I I he was actually uh he was had a cameo in Ghostbusters 2. Oh really? He was the 
He was the kid at the party who was basically like, yeah, my, my father says that you guys are full of crap, which is really <laughs> funny when you realize that that's Ivan Reitman's kid. I'm like, oh, you know what? Beautiful. That's I a little meta. Yeah. And so I just I cannot get over like whenever I watch that, especially when it was like, you know, director Jason Reitman. I like I I got to admit, I f- it starts getting a little dusty in, in the room yeah. Yeah. as I'm watching that because I'm like, damn, that is so great that he is putting this much effort and love and care into this. Yeah. And and I just I'm. Uh, I am all in on this, uh, but I just I love how how it does. It feels like it fits in the same way that the, in the same way that when I watched the 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 postquel Star Wars movies, especially um, uh, the Force Awakens, immediately I'm like, yes, this feels more like Star Wars than the prequel trilogy. I mm-hmm. feel like this is a real world. It feels like it fits in. Yeah. And even though this is in a, this is taking place in what, like Oklahoma and out in the middle of a wheat field, it feels like it fits. Yeah. There, there's yeah. just something about it, the aesthetic and the way that everything is tying together. And yeah, nostalgia is part of it, but it just, it works for me. And I'm like, yes, this is Ghostbusters 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I know this. I get it. Oh, love it. Love it. What about you, sir? What do you, what do you, what are your initial thoughts? Uh oh, I'm I'm completely with you on it. I mean, it 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 just you know the trailer hits all the right notes. It um you know like we talked about there there's a you know the beginning part setting the stage with the family, you know that that has ties to one of the original Ghostbusters without getting too deep into it because of course we want to go see the movie and get you know the the depth of story that way. Mm-hmm. Um, love, like you said, lo- love the appearance of, of Annie Potts, you know, as, as Janine love, you know, just kind of the, the, the slow discovery of all of these trinkets from what were the original Ghostbusters. And then just that idea of, okay, now something funky is going on in, in the town. Egon, you know, had a reason for, for coming here and you, mm. you know, I just feel like the movie is going to explain you know, fill in those gaps of what what he was doing and why he came there, and uh, and and just and probably have it be a bit of a, you know, for his grandkids an, an ability for them, you know, like as as we saw in the trailer, the, the mother not connecting with the daughter, and 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 maybe for the daughter and and the son the ability to kind of connect with their identity and who they are. You know, mm. a, bit, a little bit more like telling that kind of story a little bit. By, by kind of living through or, or almost taking the mantle of what, what the grandfather had been doing, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just really, it, just just fantastic storytelling, you know, if that's what they end up doing. I mean, this is a trailer. I don't know if this is what the story, where the story is going, but it seems like family is going to be a theme that is going to permeate through the film. At least it seems that way, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Reitman actually did say that kind of alluding to what you were talking about he he did say that he's he's really tried to keep this story a closely guarded secret like he doesn't want to give it away and all that but you know he does say that like, yeah family family is a huge part of this mm-hmm. which is again it's beautiful because you have you have egon's family mm-hmm. you know in there and then you also just have again you have the unspoken like yeah and this is my dad's thing that right. i'm now carrying forward and i it, man how oh it's just beautiful I just love it, and it's 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 telling as well to see that the first trailer whet our appetite a bit, you know, give us a sense of the aesthetic and what they were going to kind of put forth and show that okay, this is this isn't going to be like another retread. This is going mm. to 
be an extension of the franchise, but in a way it you know we really haven't seen before. And you know it was a teaser, and you didn't see a lot of detail. The 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 scenes with with the the Ghostbuster mobile was you know the, those were things we've seen before. But then in this trailer, they they kind of expand upon it, and they 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 just pull back the curtain a little bit more. Mm. You know what I mean? We we get the RV ghost trap now. We yeah. get the uh, the the shot of of what looks to be a Gozer statue kind of carved into rock. So there's something mm-hmm. going on in this town that is tying back to you know the events of the first movie but we don't know how we don't know what exactly we see the uh the demon dogs who apparently cannot handle traction on the asphalt very well um, well they're still getting they're still you know i mean once you come out of that hibernation for a few millennia it takes a little <laughs> while to stretch and get your ground you know get your surroundings you know i, I just love that scene of him but of, of that dog busting out of the walmart and just like just totally like like skidding out because oh yeah just because totally the claws don't poo. work on the asphalt well and the thing is i love how that's a callback to when he comes out of tully's apartment explodes to the door and runs right. into the wall right it's it, like there's there are nice little callbacks without being complete repetition and they're doing yes. these these little things like the whole idea of of ecto one going around one of the corners reitman talks about he's like that's kind of going back to like when when the when ecto one came out of the garage in new york and whipped like a 180 to go down the street and they mm-hmm. kind of had to overclock the film mm-hmm. to get to get the effect because they couldn't get it going fast enough he's like apparently when they rebuilt ecto one they put a corvette engine in it <laughs> so that they could they could legit get it up to the speeds because they they yeah. they were trying to do as much practically in camera without CG and without special effects mm-hmm. which I'm like that's so fantastic cuz that was like again a 1980s thing like yeah you can do some of this stuff CG and you know the the the, the terror dogs are are claymation in right. whenever they're moving and stuff it's like it's so great that that, that you can you can do this as, as much as possible in in like real time in real life in mm-hmm. uh, you know in camera oh man was, i just but i love how it's little things and not like oh yeah and then we're going to have this and that and right. these huge things like they already kind of said like the little stay puffs that's like that's as much as you see them you know we're not going to go back there you know and show that again right. we're not going to retread that where it's just a little bit of like a, hey look at these things and now well what what if there's a whole bunch of them but they're little bitty ones mm-hmm. there's little bitty troublemakers causing mayhem in a walmart like that's awesome that's yeah. absolutely awesome yeah what did you think cuz you know i i i i think this is going to be part of the charm of the film but i also it kind of gave me pause you know a little bit as 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 uh, one who has just turned uh, 46 Mm-hmm. When you see the YouTube video of the old commercial, when you mm. see the old picture of the original crew standing mm-hmm. together, and I'm sitting there looking at that like, I remember when that was brand new. Yep. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, so this is what it must be like for like my parents, for example, to look back at the Beatles, you know, or mm-hmm. to, to, to look back at some pop culture thing that they live through. And to, to just kind of, and again, it was just a fleeting moment. It wasn't a major piece of the film, but just to see them draw these lines back to the original movie, um, like in the teaser trailer when, when Paul Rudd's character pulls out, you know, again, YouTube to kind of show them events that were going on in New York when, you know, the, the, uh, the end of the world event happened. And he's just like, oh, it was like The Walking Dead. And he was just like showing, you know, clips of the film. Like, 
it's like that was that was new. That was something different. That was something fresh at one point in time. And to now see it looked as almost like antique or as this this thing from decades past. It's just you know, it's not that I feel old, but it's just like one of those things. Like, yeah, I've I've lived a few decades. <laughs> Sort well, of thing, you know, you don't even you don't even have to go back to our parents, dude. Like that's already happened with us with and I'm with us, not just our generation, yeah. us individually, mm-hmm. because we both have kids. I know that's a frightening concept for a lot of people. But seriously, we have like responsible spouses who are able to balance out our idiocy. Trust us. It's OK. <laughs> uh, but we've both God introduced our kids to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we both come came of age in the in the age when Star Wars was like a bright shiny thing, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing and and mind blowing, and you wanted to be Luke Skywalker or Han Solo, or if you're, I don't know, if you're really weird, you wanted to be Chewie. Maybe I mean I don't know, <laughs> whoever, you know, maybe. That was me trying uh, to do the Chewie growl. <laughs> there there go. you go. There Ooh, go. That that actually sounded like you had something caught in your throat. Kind of. Like, <laughs> um, it's like you got a pretzel in there or something. It's a, it's <laughs> a chicken bone from dinner. <laughs> it's a. It's like a furball or something, um, but so the but we've already done that. Like we yeah. watched our kids discover something that to us was like shiny and bright and was a part of our childhood and a, mm-hmm. and and something that like nobody had ever seen that before. Right. No one had seen anything like Star Wars. And even then, when you when you're getting like Empire Strikes Back and, and Return of the Jedi, it was still like, oh my gosh, we've still never we've never seen a blockbuster sequel like this. You know that sort of thing. Now we get and we've seen our kids come up and and get introduced to that and then see where the new stuff comes in and yeah wow it is it is cool but it is also like wow mortality's just knocking at my door ain't uh-huh. it <laughs> yeah death stalks you at every turn yeah dang I, I, that's only the cat well and 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 I, I and I totally get your point with Star Wars but but not in the, there wasn't a point in the in that trilogy where. Luke held up a, a picture of Obi-Wan or, or, or anything like that. I mean, it's just it, it was to see that picture mm. of, of the four of them together. True. You know, as the Ghostbusters in an, in an old-style photo. Well, but at the same just, time... It just like, kind of struck me a certain way. You know what I mean? It just, it just kind of... I looked at that and I'm like, man, I remember when that was brand new. You know, like this was well, the first time I was watching it. And it's just, it's, just, it's just interesting. It just transports you, you know, kind of back to that moment. Yeah, but we did kind of get that when when because I mean my daughter was was just about right for the Force Awakens yeah. to be uh, you know so that we could go back and watch all the old Star Trek uh, Star Treks bleh, Star Wars uh, just got some serious geek cred knocked off my card there. Um, I know, even though it was a flub, but you know, just stand there you know in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it no you know what i'm i'm okay with that because honestly i i take enough shots at star wars fans that if i probably just like raised a little their blood pressure a little bit more good oh, um so anyways but you know it, that we got to watch all the star wars movies leading up to that and then saw the force awakens and you know she was just at the right to, right age to kind of get that whole experience so that when she would see you know when she see princess leia or mm-hmm. han solo she'd be like oh Oh, and then like Luke at the very end, it's like, <gasps> you know, and so she kind of had that moment and it, it was yeah. similar for me. Like all, like the first time you see like Han, you know, coming back onto the Millennium Falcon, it's like, oh my gosh, I might just burst into tears, you know, like, it, so there were those moments. Yes. Oh, you know? oh, absolutely. And, and I, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, that, 
that moment with Han and Chewie kind of walking onto the Falcon is is probably akin to that. You know what I mean? Like it just mm. it, it takes you back, you know, and 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 it reminds you of of what you know what once was and so and and i think that's part of the charm of what they're going for with the film like 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 you said i mean who better than jason reitman understands you know what his father put into it and what he was trying to i don't mean to say get out of it but what he was trying to put put out to to the movie viewing audience and and in the story that they told back in 1984 mm. um and and for him to now kind of take that and bring it forward and to try to take it in, in what I believe to be will be a creative direction given what we're seeing so far, mm-hmm. I think is really cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's different from Ghostbusters two, which was just kind of a, I mean, that, that was kind of a, ugh, you know, sort of, Hey, movie. Hey, 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 I oh, I'm sorry. Have, I'm calling a spade a spade on this one. I will not have any besmirching of Ghostbusters two. It was the statue of Liberty, man. It's I a, mean, come on. The first one had the stay puffed, had a giant marshmallow man. I mean, come on. Let's, I can let's believe just... that better than the statue of Liberty movie. Oh, let's throw some God. goo on it and make it walk I with just, a Nintendo you know joystick. You're so close to turning into a star Wars fan right now. It's ridiculous. Um, like, just I like my ridiculousness when it's my ridiculousness, but That's as soon right. as it's someone else's ridiculousness, it's wrong. That's right. That's you right. You know what? You just just go over in your corner and play with your toys and just let the adults over here, you know, handle this, okay? All right. Have Patrick take over. No, I said the adults. <laughs> adults. <laughs> Not the toddler with a driver's license. <laughs> Speaking of which, where the hell's my seltzer? Yeah, I was just going to ask you, how's that seltzer going? <laughs> the store is like a 10-minute walk from here. <sighs> I could text him, but I'm just I'm not going to. Should I, I crack one open and, and, and tease Uncle Todd? I don't Go know. right ahead. I don't care. I'll, actually, I don't have any seltzer at home either. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what, <are we laughs> oh, what a world. What a world. Oh, that quinine. I'm going through quinine withdrawal. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so oh but so I so we don't really know what the plot of this movie is. I mean we, we right. kind of know you, you get the you get the teaser of Gozer and all these things. So there's a lot that's coming back, but how that's all going to tie in, who knows? Um, yeah. we do know some characters because of course we, we know we get Ray at the end of this, and apparently we have I think all the the surviving you know, we're getting Winston back. We're getting uh, Bill Murray's coming. I mean, Ernie Hudson, I should say, is coming mm-hmm. back. Dan Aykroyd's back. Bill Murray, I mean, he's he's filmed stuff. We know that. I mean, because the, the ball of mystery that is Bill Murray was on set, so something happened. Mm. Uh, of course, we have Annie Potts. Sigourney Weaver, ladies and gentlemen. Really? Yes. Sigourney, I did not we're realize Sigourney she Weaver be, back. Uh, coming back. Miss Dana Barrett will be back. So wow. it's... It's interesting that we're getting we're getting this kind of now. I mean, who knows how long any of them will actually be on screen? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, Dan Aykroyd probably will have the most screen time of any of them because I think this has always been his baby, and he was the one trying to get a Ghostbusters three going forever, uh, yeah. and it just didn't didn't quite work out. So I think that he probably will have the bulk, but it'll be really interesting to see how all these characters fit into this story. Uh, and I'm I am so excited for that. Oh my gosh, I I need this in my life. I'm 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 going through withdrawal from just not from j- after watching that. 
of just mm-hmm. ha- not having that back into my life. I need to have it in constant play in my brain. I know. I'm a, I'm a sick, sick man. Uh, so, uh, did you catch any Easter eggs, sir? Uh, there were a few. There were a few. Um, mm-hmm. We had, uh, there was one point uh, we see a hand lifting up one of the old PKE meters. Yes. That, that, is, that is very cool. I'm, I'm hopeful that is either going to be Ray Stance or, uh, or Peter Venkman. We shall see. I'm thinking that's going to be Phoebe. I think that's that's Egon's granddaughter because that, that and that's something that that actually Reitman had talked about. Like that was always Egon's thing. That mm. was that was like his device. So I think that I think that might actually be Phoebe. All right. All right. I don't know. We talked about Gozer. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? We talked about the Stave Puff. We talked about the terror. The 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 dog. Uh, we talked about the remote control. I don't know what 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 did you see, sir? I'm kind of scrolling through looking for. Uh... Well, I've I've watched a couple different things on this, so I, I've, uh, and I'll post the links to this. But uh, so the first one being, and I said Somerville. I don't know why I said that. Somerville, Oklahoma, is the setting, which apparently, in the ghost the the real Ghostbusters cartoon, was revealed as Egon's hometown. Hmm. Which I was like, that's kind of interesting. So I don't know if they're still using that as canon or if it was just like, hey, we can grab this and it kind of fits in. It'll tie this in. However, there is apparently one point where uh, when they show the mine. Now, I, d- I didn't see that this time. and I'm, But there, there, is, there is something that has been shown so far that shows the, the mining company to be like the Shandor Mining Company, which... If you remember back to Ghostbusters 1, uh, Evo Shandor was the designer of Dana Barrett's building. Ah. And that the girders were uh, were this special weird metal core. So you got to mine that metal from somewhere. The idea being that maybe the Shandor Mining Company was where they got this, that the metal came from there and that this like cult that he, he had formed, mm-hmm. um, the Gozer worshippers, we're kind of not just located in one place, that they're in other places and that maybe there's a reason why this metal comes from this place and that, you know, this provides another entree into our world for Gozer. Interesting. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, um, what else was there? I'm trying to remember this. I should have taken notes, but psh, whatever. The other bit being um, one of the things they pointed out was the, you know, the idea that the top of a... Uh, Egon's, you know, the big farmhouse has mm-hmm. lots of antennas and stuff on the top. And it's supposed to kind of mirror the roof of Ecto-1 with all the different antennas and gear that was up there. Ah. Um, and the idea that maybe the, it was also a strategic place that Egon was there monitoring something, you know, which then get, leads back to maybe he was monitoring, you know, where to find Gozer or making sure that Gozer didn't come back or whatever. Those were the those are the main ones that I took out of there. Interesting. Which, I mean, is quite enough for me. That was... Unbelievable. I mean, fli- flipping through the article you you kind of threw on our notes from ScreenRant.com, I found one here. So I didn't notice this, so I'm just totally lifting this from the article. The scene where they're watching YouTube, uh, sorry, yes. they're, they're they're watching YouTube with the Ghostbusters commercial. We where they're like, mm-hmm. "We're ready to believe you." Yep. Apparently, on the right hand side. They circled uh-huh. this. The top video says 10 signs the government is run by Shandorians. Yes. Followers of Ivo Shandor. 
Yes, and then there's some other ones over there too, all the way down to like, and that was in the in the the video that I'll I'll also post from New New Rock Stars or something something like that, some YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go down that list, is like one about proton projection, mm-hmm. and then there's a you know where are the Ghostbusters now with like some current <laughs> headshots of the Ghostbusters, <laughs> and then at the very bottom they have like you know Savage Ghostbusting or whatever, and and uh, where. Um, Oh my gosh, what's his name? Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Oh did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a screen grab of him in his Ghostbusters outfit and stuff. Oh, so it's funny. it's kind of cool. Like all the little like there's there's definitely going to be layers on layers on layers of references throughout this thing. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, so the the ghost, uh, the minor ghost mm-hmm. that's in not minor O R uh, E R that's in the cafe that's getting served coffee. Was a tie was a throwback to or a reference to the original Ghostbusters where there was the cab driver ghost. Ah, yes, yep. Which was great, and then of course you have uh, the new the new free floating apparition that is a is not Slimer. Uh, it's a it's a ghost called Muncher. Oh, good lord! Who looks like a who looks like an older, weathered, flabbier version of Slimer, if such a thing is possible. <laughs> The jowls on this ghost are amazing. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, some of it, some of this is just great. I'm so looking forward to this. I'm I'm hoping that we uh, that we can all figure out um, how to not extinguish the species. I should say by November, so that mm-hmm. we'll actually be able to see this in theaters. Because uh, this this is definitely a movie that I would love to see in theaters and not have to wait around to stream. Uh, but if if it's a simultaneous streaming and uh, theaters, well, hey, no, hey I, I yes. won't complain. And when is this supposed to come out again? Is this November? I think November eleventh. It was originally scheduled for June, and they've they have now pushed it back. As with a lot of things, you know, just trying to uh, there's there's being a, there's some test case coming out here in the next few months as to how well the theater industry has recovered. Ah, well, because. And I think our next episode is going to cover one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those case yeah. studies. I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a portion of it. A little foreshadowing there for you. Uh, uh, however, it is it is interesting because so around about here uh, where I live, Cinemagic was the 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 big dog when it comes to theaters. And uh, as we all know, uh, well, as you may know if you follow these things or if you. You rely on Cinemagic to watch movies because <laughs> that's all there is around. Uh, they went into bankruptcy, and so uh, all those theaters closed. And there, there is only but a couple of theaters around where I'm at, and they're not really, they're not multiplexes. They're they're kind of either uh, specialty smaller theaters or they're like the places where you go in and you order food and stuff. Which I refuse to do that because I am not gonna pay to watch a movie. And then eat in the dark while people are walking in front of me and making slurping noises next to me. Like, nope, nope, sorry, ain't happening. So another company is actually coming in and buying some of the, the some of the theaters around here. So there is some likelihood that they will be active again as theaters. So somebody's gonna, you know, there are companies that are coming in and filling some of these voids when these larger companies go under. So I don't know, depending on. Uh, again, whether the species has completely uh, faced an extinction, extinction level event in the next few months or not, you know, we'll see. Um, but hey, it'll be interesting, right? Yeah, of course it right? will. Right? Of course it will. We're doomed. Yeah. So now the big question here is uh, for you, sir, buy or sell watching it? Uh, I'm going to sell. I'm not really interested. 
Yeah, I can I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> I don't know. We've only been gushing about it for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> I, I will say right now, I am such a strong buy on this. I'd be willing to hand over the deed to my house. This That's how strong of a buy I am on this. Oh, dear. I, I don't... I mean, the thing is, like, when you get into something like this, there's always that danger of, like, oh, it's going to be disappointing. It really is. Mm-hmm. But... You do have to have some degree of faith in the talent that's assembled and how it's being put together and what you see of it so far. And so far, there are zero red flags on this. Mm-hmm. None. And I'm going from like the teaser trailer that we got like two years ago where it was just like a, a, a slow push in on like a garage and it's dark. And then just as a, as the lightning crashes, the, the wind kicks up and you see... The, the like this tarp go up and you see the back of Ecto One with the Ghostbusters you know symbol on it and then it's like the power the the proton pack powering up sound effect mm. and that was it yeah from that moment until this trailer zero red flags like they're not giving away the the total plot yeah they're letting you know a little bit about oh yeah, yeah Gozer's gonna be part of it okay but they they don't ha- tell you how they don't tell you how this all fits in together exactly exactly. I mean, I, man, it, they, they are I, hitting nothing. the right notes to whet our appetites. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I, am, I am an incredibly strong buy on this with zero reservations. I, I think even if it's not up to my already lofty expectations, it's still going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I am a uh, strong buy as well. I'll be seeing an opening weekend. Don't bother me on the 11th. Just saying. Even if he has to, even if he has another little flutter incident, he'll be he'll be telling them, "You got to stop by the theater on the way to the hospital." I'll tell you I, this: flutter I got or no flutter, for the nine thirty showing. I'll get those 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 paddles. <laughs> I will I will get that that heart rate regulated. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets trying to consume. One way or another, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That'd be. That'd be great. People would think the proton pack is powering up. It's like, nope, sorry, just my defibrillator. Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Clear. 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 <laughs> All right, I'm good for another hour. I'm good. Oh, it's not an incident. People come, people come into the theater after. It's like, do I smell something burning? It smells like, it smells, it smells like burnt chest hair. <laughs> is that... Is that normal for this uh. theater? <laughs> burnt, burnt chest hair and popcorn. That's weird. Oh my weird. Almost, actually, it's like a. It's almost like a jujube got caught into the chest hair when it got burned. It's a, this weird sort of thing. Oh wait, why is that guy laying on the ground? <laughs> he seems to be twitching rather oddly, but he has a smile on his face, so it must be all good. Ah, there it is. Death. Indeed. Uh, that went to a dark place. I'm sorry, but I'm not. It's only Maggie. Yeah, so I think we can both agree that uh, this is going to be a big part of our lives come November. Yes. Safe bet. Safe bet. Very safe. And another thing. Well, so what have you got for and another thing this week, sir? Uh, so uh, kind of staying within the realm of movies, I ventured out with the missus to see uh, on opening weekend M. Night Shyamalan's new movie called Old. Really? And uh, yes, and it was quite good, quite good. Hmm. I, I can't give away a lot of detail because I don't want to spoil the movie, but it is mm-hmm. uh, 
it has kind of an unsettling tone from the beginning and it it just kind of plays its way through i mean from the trailers you know what what has been revealed is uh you have a group of people who are kind of on this this uh beach and uh they are aging at an accelerated rate and mm-hmm. it's uh and from there uh tomfoolery uh ensues so i liked it i i thought it was a you know, it wasn't a perfect movie. It had its it, it had some drawbacks to it. Um, there, there are some areas I thought they could have been expanded upon more or gone into a little more depth. Or, you know, I thought the ending was, you know, maybe could have been a little bit uh, more complete. But overall, I thought, you know, given that his movies tend to, you kind of go in with the expectation of some like off the wall twist happening that you didn't see yep. coming. Yeah, that's and, his thing. And I will say. There is something like that that is done, but I wouldn't call it an off-the-wall twist. Mm-hmm. I would just say it, it's kind of pulling the curtain back on the wizard a little bit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. you, like like when, when you end up understanding like what has been going on, you're kind of like, I could see that happen. <laughs> mm. I could see that happen. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I liked it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a quality quality movie and and uh, just just a, a strong outing for for one M Night Shyamalan. So check it out. Old, <clears throat> getting too old for this rigs. Yeah, is Danny Glover in it at all? Uh, he is not. Ah, it's too bad. It's a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, sir? What is your and another thing? Well, not to bring the the mood down here, uh, but uh, we we I lost. I mean, sweet Moses, should should we call this the obituary section? <laughs> I'm Maybe. reading this. Maybe I I I wanted to pack all these in because it, it just seemed I, I didn't want to neglect one to Fair favor enough. others. Uh, we we kind of lost some folks in the past couple of weeks here, and I wanted to make sure that I include it because there there's a the, they all kind of had oddly kind of a tie. The first two had a had a very deep tie to my. Uh, upbringing if you will so the first one uh, is a rest in peace uh, mr dusty hill one third of zz top the guinness world record holder for longest consistent lineup in a band mm-hmm. is zz top some 50 years with the same three guys um, and now they've they're actually back performing um, a few days after after uh, Dusty had passed, um, because he had apparently given uh, Billy Gibbons, the guitar player and lead singer for ZZ Top, the directive to carry on and had basically handpicked his base, uh, his base tech as his successor. So very much kind of staying in, wow. the, in the family. And I guess yeah. the base tech's first name is Elwood, which I'm like, oh, lovely. Geez. <laughs> Lovely, and uh, so he's carrying he's carrying on the torch, and they're back performing. And of course, I mean, he knows the songs inside and out because he's been listening to them for uh, for years as as Dusty's bass tech. Yeah does does he does he want four fried chickens and a coke, or does he want uh, two pieces of toast dry? Um, I'm going to guess the dry white toast since oh, that was okay. Elwood. I just wanted yeah. to make sure. All right. Yeah, so uh, what I'm going to recommend here is uh, that you go in and listen to ZZ Top's Recycler album. I was going to recommend another album, but it's not on uh, Apple Music, and I know that some of these, some of the streaming services are a little bit weird with with getting licensing for certain albums. So I want to make sure that one that was readily available. But this is also the album that was out when I got to see ZZ Top live. Uh, it was my first actual real like concert experience going going to a concert without my parents and also like going to a concert that was like you know kind of my thing I, I love ZZ Top growing up always you know from Eliminator on just was 
thought they were really cool. I mean, the fact that they had like really, really beautiful women in their in their videos to like, you know, teenage me didn't hurt. Uh, but it was also like I just thought the music was really good. Um, so I went to see ZZ Top on their recycler tour and the Black Crows opened for them. Like, 14-year-old wow. me had no freaking idea how good of a show I saw. <laughs> like, that's a, that's, that's a high bar to start out with. That's a great lineup. Holy moly. Yeah, because, I mean, that's like nice. ZZ Top, extraordinarily tight with their fastball. Black Crows had just released Shake Your Moneymaker and were just, like, crazy and just, like, young and, and just energy. And, oh, my gosh, just went hellbent for leather. It was it was a great show. So definitely listen to ZZ Top Recycler. That has some great songs on it. And it's really kind of, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, you can't say that ZZ Top ever became truly a legacy act because they were still making music. Like, they were putting out new music and it was, it was different. Like, they were not afraid of changing things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually did a couple songs, an album where they had a couple songs produced by Rick Rubin that were very different from stuff they had done before. Um, and it was cool. So, uh, def- but definitely go back and listen to Recycler. That was a great album. Uh, the next person who passed away recently, uh, Mr. Jackie Mason, one of the comedic greats. Uh, and, and maybe not as recognizable as uh, some other comedians but he's kind of on my my comedian Mount Rushmore if you will because I remember uh, and uh, the recommendation here is his album The World According to Me because I got this album when I was probably like I want to say like 10 or 11 and I got it at a in like a discount bin at a department store and I had no idea what it was really but I knew it was a comedy album so I got it and I remember sitting and listening to this and just rolling on my floor even though I didn't understand half of it because it's like all it's all like adult comedy like he's talking politics and this and I kind of got some of it and I kind of didn't get the rest of it like nine tenths of the second side of the album because it was it's a vinyl album Mm -hmm. still have it is is a is a bit called Jews and Gentiles and at the time I'm like I don't even know what a Gentile is like I'm just a a punk kid like growing up in New Hampshire I don't know but he was so funny like his delivery was so funny that even if you didn't understand exactly what he's talking about his delivery was so good that it just brought the laughter out. Um, and, and now I know I am a Gentile. So there, now it all comes full circle. Uh, but a, f- a fantastic album to listen to. Great, great material. And I actually, uh, I got a chance to see Jackie Mason live on Broadway back in the day. And oh, it was, wow. it's one of the, again, another great highlight of, of like just live events that I've been to. Where I'm like, yes, this is a guy who I just loved growing up and listened to his album over and over and just to see him live was amazing and so funny and great and uh after the show i was asking the person at the merch table i'm like hey is there a way that we can that i might be able to get like you know is there a stage door we can kind of hang out and just maybe you know get a get a photo with him afterwards like oh no he he doesn't really do that but most of the time after the stage uh, after the show he does go to the carnegie deli to hang out there and have coffee and dessert Oh, and wow. I so wish I'd gone. I so oh. wish I'd gone. And I'm like, no, I, I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. And I'm, I, I kick myself now. Yeah. So Jackie Mason, The World According to Me, great comedy album. One of the, one of the great comedy albums. And, and almost like totally clean is another thing. Like mm-hmm. you, could, you could totally play 
most of this on the radio back then and even now. So it's it's great. And then the third one is uh, 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 my father-in-law uh, passed away uh, this past uh, this past week uh, after a long battle with cancer. And um, the recommendation I'm going to have, and I've mentioned this before, is uh, an album called Speak Love by Joe Pass and Ella Fitzgerald. Of course, uh, Joe Pass, a fantastic jazz guitarist, and Ella Fitzgerald, one of the great voices of all time, not just of jazz, but of of all of music. Um, and this is the album that I completely badgered him when he gave me his his vinyl collection. I was like, you've got to find that album. That's the album that I want. And he... <laughs> He he probably dug around in his in his unventilated attic for, <laughs> for quite a while to find oh, it, uh, but when he finally came across it, I remember he's like, "I found it," and it was just great. Uh, it's, it's it's a wonderful album. They recorded a couple of different albums together, but this is the that's the one that I'm going to recommend uh, because it's it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous album, uh, and and when I think of uh, when I think of Joe Pass, I, I just think of him. He was a guitar player, and uh, you know. Had played out a lot, and so it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a fun time to always talk and to play music with. I got a chance to play music with him as well. Uh, so rest in peace to to Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm going to recommend that you go listen to Joe Pass and Ella Fitzgerald speak love in his memory. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, thank you all very much, uh, all the members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, for gathering with us uh, this fine day, or what? It, well, whatever day that you're listening. You're not gathered here right now because we're still recording, and none of you know what we're talking about until we actually get this thing booted out of the nest and into the world. Uh, where the heck have you been? Where's the, where's the seltzer? You got lost. The store's down the street. I'm doing, I'm doing the outro right now. You know, you gave me, you gave fizzy water. What is that? Oh, it's more model. That's more model glue. <laughs> that is totally different than fizzy water. You can't drink that. You have drunk that. What was it like? <laughs> oh my gosh. So the blindness went away after a couple days. You know, Ugh. I might be taking this this show over with Week and Geek, but you and Patrick are spinning off and doing your own show, I think. Just do me a favor. Just go over there. Just put together your X-Wing or whatever. Uh, yeah, just leave the glue open. At least I have that. I don't have any seltzer. Anyways, I'm sorry. Uh, so thank you all for joining us uh, for this episode. We do so appreciate you uh, you gathering together and as we read from the Holy Scriptures of Idiocy. Uh, if you want to subscribe, that is the way that you you become a part of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, part of the family, as mm-hmm. it were. And as if we've learned anything from, uh, from Vin Diesel and the Fast and Furious, family is important. That and a really fast car and a bald head. I don't know. I... <laughs> Again, the glue fumes are starting to circulate, oh so things are about to get really interesting. Look out, um, folks. If you would like to subscribe, though, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Spotify. You can find us at Podbean. If you go to freerangeidiocy.com, you'll find all of our episodes there. You can download them directly. And uh, we just, you know, please just bear with us through the first five or six. They get better after that. Well, as better as we are right now, which is not much better, but it's a little bit. It's incremental progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to follow us on the social medias, we would certainly love that because we, damn it, we love us and us. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. We are all at Free Range Idiocy. Our, our, is our handles on those? The glue is already getting to me. <laughs> English boy, English. Is it? Is it normal? Is it normal for my eyeball to feel like it's crawling out of the socket? Is that is that normal with this? You, 
What? I see an elephant dancing around the room. Oh, so it is normal for it to feel like that. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Are you sure you're putting that wing on the right way? I don't think it's supposed to be attached to your arm. What? Whatever, dude. You're you're the one who's going to chisel it off later. Anyways, uh, if you have any questions, any complaints, any thoughts, any suggestions, anything you just like us to talk about here on the interwebs or answer, and you know what, we'll mention your name because God knows you couldn't do that on your own on the interwebs. You send those to Tim at freerangeidc.com, and he will get back to you PDQ forthwith, if not sooner. And now. We have finally come to the part of the show where I finally stop flapping my pie hole and we let the less idiotic of the idiots who run this show kind of take us home, running the anchor leg as well. But I always like to ask this question because, you know what, as we all know, any of us who grew up in the 80s and had to, you know, watch all of our cartoons and we came to those moments at the end where, you know, the more you know... Knowing is half the battle, all that. We're all about the edumacation here. We're all about the spreading of the knowledge and of, of edification. Mm-hmm. So I always like to ask Tim, the man they call Tim. I don't know why they call him Tim. His real name is Fred, but <laughs> they call him Tim. I like to say, what the hell did we learn this week? Uh, we have learned the following, my friend. Aha. Uh, we have learned Marvel. Marvel has a plan, and Kang is at the center of it. Kang is driving the, the the car right now. Kang is driving the whole train at this point, ladies and gentlemen. So they got themselves a plan, like the Cylons have got a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plan will unfold. Oh, can't we? Can't we get? Can't we get like a Trisha Helfer, or can we get a Katie Sackoff, or, or better yet, can we get the Admiral in oh. on the Marvel universe? We gotta find a way to get the admiral in there. If they ever do, you know, like, if they ever do, like, some big CG character, this, you know, like, it, just not on set or anything. I so want James Earl, uh, James. Uh, oh my gosh, Edward James almost. I don't know why I'm saying James Earl Jones. This is CNN. <sighs> that I mean, that's that's cool too. Either one, Patrick. You got to put the cat back on the glue. I'm losing, man. <laughs> I can't see out my left eye and I can't feel my right foot. I know that. I don't know too much, but that's not normal. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Wait, am I supposed to be getting this tingling sensation in my right butt cheek? <laughs> oh, good God. Is that? Oh. Is that normal? You get that? No? Maybe it's that Thai food I had for lunch. Anyways. Maybe. Can't we get that, though? Anyways, I'm sorry. I interrupted you again, sir. Carry on. My we learned sorry. that Star Wars is teasing us with some very interesting casting news around the Grand Admiral... And uh, more interestingly, dare I say, uh, a young Princess Leia. So we shall see. Uh-huh. We have learned that WWE is foolishly letting the creative talent go in the form of Bray Wyatt. But we look forward to seeing him practice his craft elsewhere at a level not allowed by his former employer. Yes, in the 13th, the 13th coming of Goldberg. Oh. We have learned that uh, in the world of math, Uncle Todd minus seltzer equals raw tomfoolery, baby. <laughs> Don't deny the man of seltzer. Good Lord Just Almighty. mad right now. Just mad. And finally, as we've uh, the, the heart and soul of the show, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is shaping mm. up to be a fantastic film. Check out the trailer and bask in the glorious glory of it all. Yes. Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim, we are strongly buying. And uh, just a little FYI, we'll be unavailable November 11th. Probably hand <laughs> the keys to the show over to Patrick. So may God have mercy on us all on that day. Yes. Oh, boy. And with that being said, 
ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the downloads this past week. Thank you for the support. We appreciate it each and every time we we see those numbers tick up. As Uncle Todd has said, it, it just warms the cockles of our heart. <laughs> Maybe even the subcocular region. <laughs> oh my gosh. So as always, maybe something adjacent to the cockles. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That that, that part we have to apply the defibrillator paddle to. I don't know what the name of it is, but is that it, where you put? Is that is that like the, the the place where you put the defibrillators? You put them on the cockles? Maybe. Maybe. You better make sure you enunciate that real <laughs> well. <laughs> Just saying. Be very clear in your speech. <laughs> on that note. Oh man, hate it when you do that to me. <laughs> you don't want it. You don't want to have mush mouth on that one because uh, not good. <laughs> not good. Oh, as always, folks, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another, and for goodness' sake, so Uncle Todd can get some seltzer for himself. Would you please hit the lights on the way out? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. I said the cockles! Cockles! I thought in my head, don't laugh as I say it, but I laughed. (laughs) Now get the hell out of here!